I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Say, I will do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit from this moment forward. Say, I'll never be the same. Say, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise. He's worth it. Amen. You know, the enemy doesn't want you to realize what a difference your life makes. It, it makes a huge difference. Your life matters. And what you're doing with your life matters. It matters. So you have an enemy that's constantly trying to convince you that because of who you are and how weak you are and you're just a loser and you're just, you know, you're just, it's just not even making a difference. No, nobody even cares about you. Nobody loves And because you get focused inward like that and you start looking at life wrong, you end up going through life the wrong way and ended up in life in the wrong place. Your final outcome isn't what God declared at the beginning. Why? Well, because you end up going where you've been looking. Like Keith was saying this morning, you know, you just, you got to look, you got to see right. You got to see right. You got to realize that your life matters. You're, you make a difference when you show up at church. You, you know, it's not just about you. You know, there's over 7 billion people on the planet, and every single one of them belong to an elite group that you can't get membership to. No matter what you do, you can't belong to that group. But every person every other one all seven billion of them belong to that group it's a group called others and if there's over seven billion others and only one of you then obviously life's not just about you but as it's about others and some of the things that god's doing in you it's not just about you but it's about others and when you come to church it's not always just about you it's good for you it's going to help you it's going to strengthen you it's going to bless you but really when you get here you got to know that it's you but it's for others it makes a difference when you're here. It's an encouragement when you're here. I can't tell you how much it encourages me when I walk out here and you're here. It'd be a real bummer to stand in this room, talk to Keith, Lene, and Shelby. Call that a staff meeting. We, we can do that. You know, no, no, we need you, and there's people right around you that are blessed by you. Realize that, that if you ever get a revelation of what God's doing through you, oh, man. See, there are times in life I think that... Uh, we're not getting exactly what we want. Things aren't going exactly the way that we think they should. But God's working in our life. The Bible says that in all things, he causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. It, all things, all things are working together for good, for good. Well, the word good means something that gives of itself for the betterment of its environment. The word good doesn't mean it makes me happy. The word good means it benefits the environment in which God's brought me to. Sometimes what's really good for you really ain't all that hot for me. Hello? I said sometimes what's really good for you isn't what I'd pick if I was just think about me. Now, don't get quiet in this Presbyterian church. Just wrap your heart around this for just a minute. Sometimes what you think, well, I don't want to do it. Yeah, but is it for good? See, all things, God's things work together for good. Outside of you. God's things position you to be a blessing to others. God's, God's things allows you to carry hope to the hopeless and strength to the weak and, and, and uh, you know, encouragement to the depressed. God, God's working in you and it's a lot bigger than you. Your life matters. Don't buy the lie from the enemy that says that you don't count. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. 
Church has a totally different atmosphere when you're not here. So we like it when you're here. But it's not just church. It's on the job. When you show up, the environment gets better. Should I check the address? Am I in the right house? (laughs) You know what it is, is that even though we have the right to move from death to life, many times we're not living in life. We're still kind of wallowing around in death. Death isn't dead. Remember, death is separation. Separation from God's best. Separation from God's plan. Separation from God's purpose. and Separation from God's will. Just God's will. Have you heard Jeremiah 29, 11? Have you ever heard that one? I know the thoughts and the plans I have. God's got a plan for you. His plan is to prosper you, not to harm you. His plan is to give you hope, to give you a future. God's got a plan for you. You don't have to live in God's plan. And when you don't live in God's plan, it doesn't change God's plan. It just means you ain't in God's plan. You're in your plan. See, you don't, ha- you don't have to walk in Zoe life. You can walk in Yoe life. Yoe up one day, Yoe down the next. Yoe feel good, Yoe feel bad. Yoe happy, Yoe mad. It's Yoe life. <laughs> just made that up. That's not a Greek word. That's a Tom word. But when you're not in Zoe life, it doesn't mean Zoe life doesn't exist. No, it means that you're not in Zoe life. And the fact is, is that if we're not careful, if you read the Bible, I don't know how many times it it, it says, be careful. Take heed now. Watch out. Why? Because if you're not careful, you'll wander back over into Yoe life instead of Zoe life. I don't know how many times a day I find myself hanging around around me. And I'm not supposed to be me. I'm supposed to be in Christ. I have to guard myself every day. And Shelby will tell you, I'm nearly perfect, but I haven't quite made it yet. I'm close. I'm close. I'm close. It's really easy, though, to get separated from the will of God, especially when all the enemy has to do to separate you from the will of God is get you focused on your will. Wow, this service is really different. Really is. When you look at your will, you begin to be distracted from his will. And so God has given us indicators to keep us connected to his will. You know that? Road signs. Road signs that flashing lights. You know, uh, barriers that you ha- have you ever gone, you know, someplace to a concert or to a fair, to some gathering where, where they had areas that were roped off that you weren't supposed to be in? You know, concrete barrier and a sign that's big, big as you that said stay out that you had to climb over to get over there. And you ended up over there where you weren't supposed to be because you climbed over the barrier. Have you been there, Todd? Todd, have you been there? Don't lie. Confess. It's, it's, it's time right now. Confession time. Last week, last week, he was someplace he wasn't supposed to be. Had to climb over the barrier. Do you realize that that's what we've done in our spiritual walk? We've had to climb over barriers to get where we shouldn't be. God put up roadblocks and we, we bought a bigger truck. First John 3.11. First John 3.11. Open your Bible real quick. We better get in this thing. We won't make it. For this is the message, the announcement, which you have heard from the first. Say, this isn't new. It's been around for a long time that we should love one another. 
Guys, this isn't some new idea that we just come up with at the garden. This is, uh, you know, thousands of years old here where it says, yay, this message from the beginning is that you should love one another. Why? Well, because God is love, and if you're going to do anything in God, it's going to be motivated by love. And if it's motivated, motivated by love, it's not going to be focused on you. It's going to be focused on others. Here, here, here's what you got to know, is that when you start looking at your life, and you start looking at your will, and start looking at your desire, you're going to be separated from God's life, from God's desires, from God's plan. We, this isn't about us. This is about pleasing him, right? A life pleasing to God. A life pleasing to God. A life pleasing to God. Our, our uh, mission statement is, that, is to cheerfully please God. We are cheerfully pleasing God. Everything we do, we want to be cheerfully pleasing God. Did I do myself? Check that out. Can you hear me now? Don't be like Cain. Look at this. Look at this statement. Who took his nature and got his motivation from the evil one. Who took his nature. Who took his nature. The word nature means the innate or essential qualities or character of a person. It's really important that we keep an eye on our character because our character determines our final outcome. Remember, words turn into thoughts. Thoughts turn into emotions. Emotions make our choices. Choices determine our actions. Our actions determine our habits. Our habits develop our character, and our character determines our final outcome. Your final outcome is not determined by what's going on around you or near you. Your final outcome is determined by the character that you possess. So don't take your character from the evil one, because that's going to mess up the end. Your final outcome, the end. God declared the end at the beginning. He's painting the picture for your end. All through the book, there's pictures uh, that, that are showing you what the end's supposed to look like. Isaiah 32, 18. My people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. That's the picture of your family life. Your family's supposed to be in a peaceful habitation. So anytime that something comes along that doesn't look like that, reject that. Go towards the end that God declared at the beginning. But if you end up with character that's evil, you're not going to have an outcome that's good. Right? You, you, do, you cannot sustain good outcome if you have evil character. Evil sounds like a nasty word, but it's just not good. Anything that's not good is wrong. It's evil. It just said, remember Cain and Abel. Remember the story? They both brought an offering. One was accepted. One wasn't. And so Cain, instead of changing, he could have done what his brother had done. But instead of changing, he just eliminated that which he had been compared to. See, a lot of us, that's what we do, is that we just move to a different place. You know, if life gets too tough, we, we just go on. We just eliminate. We kill off stuff instead of changing. That's the wrong character. That's the wrong character. It, it goes on and it says, don't be surprised, verse 13, don't be surprised and wonder, brethren, that the world detests and pursues you with hatred. For we know that we have passed out of death into life by the fact that we love the brethren. For we know that we have passed out of death into life. We have passed out of death into Zoe. This is how we know. Here's one of the barrier. Here's one of the roadblocks. Here's flashing light. We've got proof. It'll produce proof in your life when you're walking in Zoe. Because you won't be living just for you. 
You won't have that Cain attitude that you're killing people instead of letting God change you. You're you're getting right. You're not eliminating eliminating everything that that makes you look bad. Hello, somebody. We've got proof. Look at your neighbor and say, we've got proof. We've got proof. Romans 12. Verses 1 and 2, you know, you, you know these scriptures, Romans 12, 1 and 2, the King James, it says, I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might be able to prove the, the perfect, acceptable, and good, good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Look at it in the Amplified. It said, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude. Hey, I got a new attitude. Something different about you when you get born again. Something's got to change. And, here, there, and there needs to be proof. What? You got new attitudes. You got new attitudes so that you might prove for yourself what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good, acceptable, and perfect in His sight for you. I need you to see that God's will for your life, number one, is good. God's will for your life is good. God's will for your life. The enemy tries to get you to be separated from His will and he tells you stuff like, like it's not going to be good. It's going to be ugly when you, when you walk in the will of God. You know, that, that means that you're going to be some kind of religious freak. No, you're not. You're going to have a good life. It's going to be good. It's acceptable. It's really important. We're going to talk about this this morning in detail. That God's will for your life is acceptable. God's will for your life is acceptable. Anything outside God's will is not acceptable. I said, anything outside God's will is not acceptable. Can we agree? Okay. All right. You said it. And his will is perfect. The word perfect means lacking nothing. See, the enemy will tell you that if you live God's will, that you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff. You ain't going to lose anything. You'll be lacking nothing. You'll, you'll have all things that you need. All, as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that all things that pertain to life and godliness, He's already given to us by His d- divine power, His great power. That grace has given you everything that you need to succeed and win in life. But anything outside of God's will is not acceptable. So, we probably ought to know what God's will is. Because if we know what God's will... See, a lot of people... I don't know how many times I hear... Man, I just need to know what God's will for my life is. You realize that 99.5% of God's will for you is the same as it is for me. You realize that? Jeremiah 29.11 was not written, Dear Tom and Shelby, I have a plan for your life. That would be his will, wouldn't it? Wouldn't God's plan be his will? God wouldn't. God wouldn't plan something that wasn't his will. It's his plan. Who's it for? Well, it's, it's for all of us. I've said it's for all of us. Third John 2. Check this out. Third John 2. We're bouncing around a little. Third John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. Check it out. Beloved, let's break that down. Be loved. Be loved. God is love. Right? You're not going to separate God from love. 
We've already read that uh, we've got proof that we know we've passed from death to life when we're walking in love. Right. So in order in order to give love, first thing you got to do is be loved. So you got to let God love you. Right. You got to you got to accept the love that God has for you so it can flow through you so that you empowered to love others. And he said, I pray that you will prosper in every way. King James says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. I, I wish above all things, above all things, get to studying this and looking at this. And that statement's actually, or those, that phrase is actually a Greek statement, which means everyone in every way and everything. This, this is the plan for everyone in every way and everything. Everyone in every way and everything. Say that with me. Everyone, every way and everything. Again, everyone, every way and everything. One more. Everyone, every way and everything. God's will for everyone in every way and everything is that you prosper. That it would be on the increase. Zoe life is not, is, is not on the way out. It's not being sucked under. It's being lifted up. For everyone, in every way, in everything. That you're blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in, blessed going out. Hello? God's will for your life is to increase, to prosper. Well, we already said, we agreed that anything that's not His will is not acceptable. So if there's an area of your life, I'm not just talking about financially, I'm talking about emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, Relationally, anything that's not prospering is not acceptable. Hey, you hang with me for a few minutes. We're going to get somewhere today. You're going to walk out of here changed. See, here's the deal is that a lot of us have allowed situations to occur in our life and to remain that are totally unacceptable according to his will. Now, just because we got it doesn't mean that his will went away. Remember, we said that you, just because you don't walk in life don't mean Zoe life ain't there. It, just because you don't walk in his plan doesn't mean his plan evaporated. Just because you're not in the will of God doesn't mean God doesn't have a will. just means you're outside of it. Just because you've allowed something doesn't mean it should be there. It just means that you've accepted it when you didn't have to. When the mailman shows up and he's putting it there, you don't actually have to take that package. Hello? You can write, return to sender. Return to sender. <clears throat> you don't have to take it. It's unacceptable. I said it's unacceptable. It's not acceptable. Beloved, I wish above all things, I wish in every one of you, in every way, in everything that you would prosper, that you'd be in health. Can I just tell you something? Is it God's will to heal me? Yes. One man asked Jesus, if it's your will, he made a statement, if it's your will, I know you can heal me. And Jesus said, it is my will. Have you read your book? He's not a respecter of persons. It's his will. Well, maybe God's trying to teach me something. Show me that in the Bible. See, we're, we live by faith. We, we live according to the word of God. Find that in the book. Matter of fact, when, when you find, when you go read the ministry of Jesus, he went around healing all that were sick and delivering all who were oppressed. It's not his will that you're sick. You know what happens is we have these, this, this, I don't know, it's a belief system. We have, the, we, we have our own little guardrail set up. And we do really well until we get up to the certain point that's going to really challenge us. And then we, we just want to step back. And here's an area where we have accepted something in our life that's not acceptable 
according to the will of God. God's word tells us what's acceptable and what isn't. Okay, it, it, it's, it's like it's like someone telling you, you you're going to something's going to come to your house. Don't accept this. Look for that. And when this gets here, we take it because we don't think that's ever really coming. And then when that comes, we can't get it in because this showed up. We've been living with the wrong stuff for so long. Listen, we've got to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Somebody say amen. 1 John 4.17 says that as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Right? As he is, so are we in this world. Say it. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you think Jesus is sick? Well, if he ain't sick in heaven, then I ought not be sick in this world. If he's not depressed in heaven, I don't think Jesus is depressed. So I ought not be depressed. You think he's nervous? Then I shouldn't be nervous. Right? I don't have to be filled with fear. Why? Because he isn't. So as he is, so am I in this earth. Look at Matthew 18, 18. Matthew 18, 18. says, I tell you, it, it, in your Bible, it's probably in red. Jesus is talking. I ain't saying this. Jesus is talking. He said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, King James. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Look at it in the Amplified. He said, I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. It already is bound. Okay? So since it's bound in heaven, it's bound in earth. It's bound in my life. If it's loosed in heaven, it's loosed in my life. Whatever, what, whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. Here's what he said. He said, we've got some road signs here for you. If it's going on in heaven, let that occur in your realm. If it's not going on in heaven, don't let that occur in your realm. Now, you're going to rule and reign in life. You've been called to rule and to reign. But we're not going to start with the world. How about we start with your bedroom? How many of you wish your kids would just rule the room? Just pick up the dirty socks. Just make the bed. Just, just you know, kind of at least have a pathway in there so someone can come in without needing tetanus shot. Come on. Rule and reign in your bedroom. Let's start there. That's how we train the kids, isn't it? You give them a little area of, of, of authority, and then as they get good at that, you, you begin to increase it. If they, if, it's, if they go too fat, you pull it back down. Well, here you've got an area of life that you have the ability to rule and reign in. How about we start with your life? God's called you to make a difference to the nations. God's called you to impact and change the world. But let's start by reigning just in your life. So how about you only allow attitudes in you that would be allowed in heaven? How about you rule and reign in your life? If poverty's allowed up there, then you go ahead and live in it down here. But if it's not there then you refuse to accept it right here. And you have dominion in your life right here on earth, just like it is in heaven. You, you allow it or you reject it. You get up and you get an authority. Okay? How come so much that's against the will of God is permitted in our life? 
It's because what God calls cursed, we call normal. We are not in agreement with the Word of God. All that means is we need to change. That don't mean we're evil. That don't mean we're nasty. That, that, all that means is, hey, I've been duped. I've been tricked by a defeated enemy that told me it's normal for me not to feel good. But God said that that was part of the curse. And he said, I'm going to set in front of you. Remember Deuteronomy 30, 19? I'm going to set in front of you life, death, blessing, cursing. You choose. Well, wait a minute. If God doesn't want me sick, then I won't be sick. Well, wait a minute. He put you in control. He's given you authority. And just because you're not in the will of God doesn't mean the will of God evaporated. Remember? There is, there is a thing called the law of gravity. Heard of it? The law of gravity is very real, is it not? If we take you outside and climb up on the building and you step off, where are you going? To the ground. You're coming down, right? However, there's another law. It's called the law of thrust. Part of the laws of aerodynamics. And if you apply thrust at the right speed and you're in an airplane, all of a sudden you lift off the ground because the law of thrust is a greater power than the law of gravity. The law of gravity doesn't disappear when you're in the air. Matter of fact, if you start doing in the air what you would normally do on the ground, you'll come back to the ground. If you, if you don't live according to the laws of aerodynamics when you're in the airplane, the law of gravity will, super, will, will you know, come back into effect. But the law of aerodynamics are greater than the law of gravity. So as long as you're under the authority of the law of gravity, or the law of aerodynamics, then the law of gravity has no impact on you. Hello? So you can have the high life if you want it, or you can live the low life. But if you live low life lifestyle at the high life, you're coming back down to low life. You with me? So just because it's normal for everybody else to be sick, the fact of the matter is, is that when I got born again, I received by the word of God, the incorruptible seed of God, the incorruptible seed of God, which is the, the which is literally the sperm of God. That seed was planted inside of me. It is the nature of a seed to reproduce multiplied fruit. So when the seed of God got inside of me, it was planted into the fertile soil of my heart. It brought with it the divine nature of God. Now, I have become a partaker of his divine nature. His divine nature. Nature, what does that determine? Final outcome. So now I'm not headed to the final outcome based on my nature, but I'm going to the final nature or to the outcome that's, devo- that's going to be produced by his nature. So his divine nature is going to produce a final outcome in me that's not normal. See, when, when, when Jesus uh, came to the earth, he came through a virgin. Not normal. Right? He lived, he lived a spotless life. Not normal. He was nailed to a tree. Not normal. He was put in a tomb and he went to hell and he got the, the keys of sin, death, hell, and the grave. He brought him up out of there. He rose again after three days. He, he ascended on high. Not normal. God did not go through this, make this investment, send his son down here to live, to die, to be raised from the dead, and to ascend on high so that you could be average. He, he did that so that you could rise up and live according to His divine nature. So that you could walk in insane victory, demonstrating Satan's defeat on a daily basis, a life that absolutely humiliates the powers of hell. And we call normal what God's called curse. We allow what would not be acceptable in heaven. Well, that's our own stupid fault. Because you're in control. You've been given dominion. You've been given authority. And if you'll rise up and walk in it, guess what? You will prosper and be in health 
even as your soul prospers. Any area of life that is not prospering is due to a poverty of soul. The way you think, the way you feel, and the way you make your choices. It's because you're thinking wrong. Since you're thinking wrong, you're seeing wrong. Because you're seeing wrong, you're living wrong. And if you're living wrong, you ought to recognize you're living wrong and realize all i got to do is start thinking right. How do I do that? I get God's Word, which is the incorruptible seed of God. I plant it in the fertile soil of my heart. Remember in elementary school when you went to class and they gave you a Dixie cup? They gave you one seed and two inches of dirt. And you, you, you put that seed in the cup and you covered it up with the dirt and you put a little water on it and you carried it on the bus all the way home. And if you were lucky, you didn't spill it out and had to put it back together. And you get home and you set it on the, on, on the shelf right behind the sink there in the w- kitchen window. Remember? And you watered it and you, t- and you ran to it and you looked at it. And one day you're looking and, and there's a little nubbin sticking out of the ground. And you're like, yes! And the thing grows and, and it gets five or six inches tall and you can't, you, you just can't believe it. You're amazed at, look, look, my seed is alive. A lot of us, this is how we are in the spirit. We've taken one seed, we put it in a Dixie cup, covered it up with two inches of dirt, and it's finally starting to, to, to grow. And we say, look, I'm a Christian. I got my seed. I got this one seed. See, the problem is, is that you are called to produce mass harvest. Not one seed. You are introduced to God through one seed. But you're supposed to produce a harvest that can feed the world. But we've settled with one blade in a Dixie cup. We got Dixie, Dixie cup Christianity. We're just Dixie cup Christians. Look at your neighbor and say, you little Corinthian. Time to grow a little bit. Time to become harvesters for the kingdom. Time to produce some things in our life that will, that will shock. That will shock the non-believer. I'm telling you what, I really believe that God is calling us to do some things, to live a lifestyle that blows the mind of people who don't know God. That will look at you and say, how in the world did you get that outcome? Well, I have a divine nature. How'd you get that? Well, I've planted the seed of the Word of God. It's incorruptible seed. That produces the nature of a seed to reproduce multiple fruit. Now when you, you know what? When you plant God's seed in me, guess what I get? You take God's Word. Remember Jesus said, the source of the seed, the seed. What is the seed? It's the Word of God. The source of the seed, the seed is the Word of God. The enemy comes to take the seed, but I'm not going to let the enemy have my seed. I'm going to protect it. Right? I'm going to guard my seed. And, and uh, seeds are words, and words produce what? Thoughts, and thoughts do what? They produce emotion. So when i got God's seed, I have God's word. When I have God's word, I'm going to have God's thoughts. When I have God's thoughts, He's going to change me at an emotional level. When I have godly emotion, I'm going to make godly choices. When I make godly choices, I'm going to perform godly actions. When I perform godly actions, I'm going to create godly habits. When I have godly habits, I'm going to perform, uh, create godly character. When I have godly character, I'm going to have godly outcome. Hello, somebody. I'm not going to live sick. It's not God's will that I'm sick. I'm not going to permit sickness to come in my house. Why? Well, because it's not allowed in heaven. Hello? I said it's not allowed in heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. There's so much stuff that I haven't gotten into. We need to move from death to life. Instead of trying... To get rid of everything that's got life, so that our death don't look that bad. Come on. Well, that's just hyper faith. I actually think that's hyper ignorance. 
When I do what he said, he'll produce what he promised every single time. Whether I get it or not. To be carnally minded is death. To be carnally minded, the Amplified said that sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is going to separate you. Death is separation. is going to separate you. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I think we need to move out of death into life. Instead of trying to eliminate anything that's got life in it so that our death doesn't appear so bad. We've accepted a lifestyle that produces death. You know what's crazy, guys, is that this is the third service. This is the third time I've got to share this word with you. And last night, Saturday night, man, I tell you what, the atmosphere was electric. And this morning, people were here, and, and the power of God is here, and, and, and the power of God's here right now. But the fact of the matter is that it, when we make the altar call, how many of you know that there are things that you've allowed in your life that need to come to an end? If, if you don't recognize that, you're a freaking idiot. It's stupid. It's stupid to think that, well, no, I, you know. You, you know, the Bible says, how come the message preached to them profited them nothing? Well, it's because it was mixed with unbelief. If you go out of here today and you're not radically changed by the power of God, then you can't complain about any crap that occurs in your life. You can't do it. You can't do it. But if you take Mark 4.24 and you say, you know what, I'm going to give thought and study the truth I hear. Because the level of thought and study I give to the truth I hear determines the virtue of knowledge that comes back to me. And more besides shall be given to him who hears. I'm going to take this. I'll tell you what. If you take these scriptures, this message, and you give thought and study to this, it is going to blow the gates off of hell. There's only one thing that can sabotage your faith, and it's unbelief. It's doubting. Remember, we talked last week, how do you begin to reign? Well, you've got to start trusting God. We, we've, we can no longer be afraid to believe God. Remember when Peter was in the boat and all the guys, and they were rowing through the night, going to the other side. They're going to meet Jesus on the other side, and they had left him on shore, and they rowed all night, and they hadn't gotten anywhere. And in the, mid, in the middle of the darkness and on the fog out there, on the, they, they look, and they, they get scared because they see something coming. They think it's a ghost. And Jesus says, you know, fear not, don't be afraid, it is I. And Peter just blurts out, Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. Everybody else in the boat goes, now what you going to do? Way to go, Pete, you idiot. You can't do it, Pete. It doesn't make any difference what he said. You're going to sink like a rock. It doesn't make any sense. There's absolutely no reason to get out of this boat. Why? Because they were carnally minded. They had sense and reason. Nothing wrong with sense. Nothing wrong with reason. But without the Holy Spirit, it's still carnal. See, it don't make any sense to trust God sometimes. There's no reason to, except when you mix the Holy Spirit in with sense and reason, you get spirit. And now we got life and peace. Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, but he sank. No, it says he began to sink. He didn't sink. He began to sink. Please read your book. He began to sink. And when he began to sink, he cried out to Jesus. He talked it over. Jesus immediately was there and took him back to the boat. How did he get back to the boat? He had to walk on the water to get back to the boat. It was not a piggyback ride. Jesus walked with him back to the boat. You started something, you're going to finish it. So he finished that exercise. He gets him back in the boat. Jesus looks at him and makes an incredible statement. He says, O ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? O ye of little faith. Well, please note that little faith will have you walking on water. Little faith, little, the word little is not puny in stature, it's puny in duration. So he had a short burst of faith. The word doubt means second thought. What Jesus said to him, he walks him back to the boat, he gets him in the boat and he says, Pete, you had a short burst of faith, why'd you give it a second thought? 
How come you believe the elements more than you believe me? Haven't you guys learned anything yet that when I tell you something, when, it, when it's my word, when it's the word of God, it will produce. God's word will not return into him void without accomplishing that for which he sent it forth to accomplish. God is not a liar that he can lie. So when he says it, it happens. When, G, when God said, let there be light, light came on the scene and it's been going on ever since. Hello? You better hope he never says rain. Here's the deal. The only thing that can sabotage your faith is a second thought. So the enemy knows that all he's got to do to get you to sink, get you to cave in, give up and quit, is get you to look at something other than God's word. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Are you looking at the wind? Are you looking at the waves? Are you looking at the promise? You got to keep your eyes rivet. You got to you got to develop the prosperity of your soul. You got to get your soul convinced that God will do what he said he would do. Third John verse four. Put that one up for me. Would you? Third John verse four. He said I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are living their lives in the truth. God's word is true. And there is no greater joy than this to hear that my children are living in the truth. If you're not living in the truth, it doesn't mean the truth isn't there. It doesn't evaporate. It just means that you're not living in it. But there's no greater joy than this to know that my kids are walking in the truth. That they're connected to the lie. That they pass over from death to life. That they realize they don't have to be touched by death. They can enjoy Zoe life. Eternal life doesn't start when you're dead. It starts when you're born again. You don't have to wait to heaven to experience heaven. You can bring heaven to earth. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't just take us home when we pray the sinner's prayer? Why are we left here to endure such hardship and pain? How come God's teaching me lessons? Well, probably because we're not real bright. We're here on this earth to demonstrate Satan's defeat. Hardship and pain. At the end, at the end of every, at the end of every exercise, you're stronger than you were when it started. Every time the enemy comes against you, you wind up better off than you were before he started. Every, every time, every, I'm, I'm sorry, but I can't help but live blessed. Because we all out of lack. We've decided lack is not acceptable. We've got so much peace. We have a peace that surpasses our understanding. Can't understand how much peace we have. You want to know why? Because torment is not acceptable at our house. We have more hope than we have problems. You want to know why? Well, because we've just released hope. Hope is in heaven, and we've decided since it's in heaven that we're going to loose it at our house. We're going to loose it. And there's moments when stupid things happen, when crazy things happen, when life occurs, and you think that hope's going to evaporate. No, it doesn't. Hope swallows up despair. I said hope swallows up despair. Now, all of a sudden, you find yourself sitting there going, I don't know why I ain't worried. I've tried, and I can't. Let me give you one more verse, and I don't know, I don't think you have it. Matthew 18, 19. 
Matthew 18, 18, remember, whatsoever things you bind on earth, you're going to be bound in heaven. And whatsoever things you loose on earth are loosed in heaven. And what we're going to do now is we're going to look at the next verse, and it says, and Jesus is still talking. And he says, here's the deal, guys. I'm going to tell you one more thing. If two of you agree on earth as touching anything, whatever thing that they ask, shall be, it shall come to pass. It's going to be done for them by my Father, which is in heaven. I'll tell you, if two of you agree on earth as touching anything, if you harmonize together, if you make a symphony together about whatever, anything and everything, anyone, anything and everything, anyone, everyone, every way, everything, everyone, every way, everything. He said, if you'll get into agreement, you're going to, whatever you ask, it'll come to pass. Oh, guys. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. If we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. Guys, this is Bible. This is the confidence we have. Confidence. That word means foundation. This is the, this is the ground we stand on. That if we ask anything according to his will. Now, obviously, I can't ask for anything. It's got to be according to his will, Right? But we've been talking about what his will is. His will is to prosper me so I can believe God for prosper. I can believe God for health because I know it's not his will that I'm sick. Right. So I got quite a bit I can ask for. If I ask anything according to his will, I know he hears me. If I know he hears me, I know I can have whatever I ask for. This is the confidence I have in him. Hebrew says, don't throw away your confidence now. It has great recompense of reward for you have need of patience. For after you've done the will of God, you're going to receive the promise. After you've done the will of God, what does that mean? That means that you've got you to walk this thing out now. You remain the same. You remain the same from the beginning to the end. But at the end, let me tell you what you're going to have. You're going to have exactly what you asked for because it's according to his will. Now, some of us have allowed things in our life that are not allowed in heaven. And we have bound things through our actions and choices. We've made it impossible for things that are going on in heaven to come to our house. Well, we need to make some reversals. We need to make some changes, and we need to declare today that that which has been permitted in my life that is not permitted in heaven is no longer going to be permitted in my life. I'm going to possess the land, right? Possess the land. The word possess means to drive out the previous tenant, make him poor and dwell in his place. I'm going to cause the enemy to pack up and move out. And I'm taking back over my life. It's just, well, I'm just going to start with my room. I'm just going to start in, in this area of dominion that God's given me. God will increase my borders. But today, I just want to start in this, this, this place. Right now, in, in your life, there ought to be a place that's coming to mind where you realize, you know what? I need to take authority in this area of my life. I need to have a new attitude. I, I need to have a new outlook. I need to speak life and not death. I need, I need my marriage to be healed. I need my finances to be restored. I, I need my mind to come back at peace. Because God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and a sound mind. I don't need to be up one day and down the next and swirling all over the place. I need to get steady. That's where I'm going to declare right now that what's going on in heaven, that's going to begin to happen in my life. You ready? If you're here today and you say, you know what? I've got errors in my life where I need to put an end to what's been occurring so that God can start doing in my life what he's been doing in heaven. What I want you to do right where you're at is like a brave, bold believer. I want you to stand to your feet and say, that's me. Then I want you to step out and come down. We're just going to stand right in front. We're going to do what the Bible said. If any of the two of you agree on earth is touching anything, if we get in harmonize and we begin to symphonize together, we're going to have whatever we ask for. Praise God. You know what we're going to have, bro? We're going to have insane victory.